We are going to try to close out chapter 1 this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And to do that, we need to start thinking about uh, strategies and life hacks. There are strategies for almost everything. Strategies to do something better or figure out how to do something. If you're not sure how something works or trying to get better at it, this world is full of people who are all too eager to show you their strategy, their tactic. They want to share their tip with you on how to do this thing better. Their life hack, if you will. They're there to help you be better at life. You guys know me, I, I, <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole a little too far searching for life hacks, and there's a lot of weird stuff out there. One thing I did find I thought was pretty helpful, pretty cool, was a life hack like this, like how your sunglasses turned upside down actually make a really great stand for your phone. If you ever need one, I just learned stuff yesterday. It was great. It was a great life hack. I thought it was genius. Uh, maybe you guys already have something better for that. I don't know, but there are... There are life hacks for absolutely everything. Um, Kitchen life hacks. It's mainly involving lids and strainers, but people are doing crazy stuff in the kitchen that I've never seen and probably will never do. Uh, How to keep your room clean and organized. Life hacks for that. Uh, Stuff that I know you guys will never do, so we don't even need to talk about them. But there are... There are these life hacks for everything. You can pick about any subject, any topic, and there is likely someone out there who's ready to give you a strategy on how to do this the right way, how to do it better. For example, you may be interested in an article put out by Octopit USA called Essential Strategies for Winning at Gaga Ball. I mainly share that with you because I just wanted to say Octopit USA, but it's still, it's out there. There are strategies for that. There are strategies for winning your next Nerf war and how to water balloon like a pro. Don't waste your time with either of those. Not worth it, by the way. But you can find life hacks, tips, strategies to guide you through almost anything, almost every video game. People will share with you how to be better at this game on your phone. There's, there's strategies for just about everything. This morning, I want us to look at another strategy, another life hack. And this one, though, is it's far more important than those others that we've mentioned. This is a strategy. This is a life hack that every Christian needs to know even, and I might add, especially junior high-aged Christians. This morning we get a strategy, a life hack from Paul, and it's a command on fighting the good fight of faith. It's way more important than how to win your next gaga ball match or how to properly hold a water balloon. This is a strategy for making the most out of your Christian life. And we need this strategy. Some of you may be new to this whole Christian thing, recently saved. 
And for you, you're just wondering, like, how does this work? What is this Christian life all about? What am I supposed to do next? Or maybe there's some of you in here this morning who've been saved for a number of years and, and you thought you had a strategy. You thought you knew what the Christian life was supposed to be, how you were supposed to live, but that's starting to get confusing. That, that strategy you once had starting to dull a little bit. All Christians need a reminder of what we're going to see this morning. Because as we're about to see, not having a strategy is a really bad idea. Not listening to this command found here in Scripture is a good way to really mess up your faith and your life. Like it or not, all of us are in a fight. Some of you are saying, I've never been in a fight in my life. Well, you're in one today, like it or not, whether you know it or not, all of us are in a spiritual battle, a spiritual fight. We have a spiritual enemy named Satan. All of us do. You have an enemy, it's the devil, and God tells us in his word that he is everyone's enemy. For the unbeliever, those of you who aren't Christians, the devil God's word makes clear is working hard to keep you blind to the glory of the gospel. He's trying hard. His main ambition with you, unbeliever, is to keep you an unbeliever. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. He's your enemy. He's against you. And to those of us who are are saved, who have put our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, who trust that Jesus' death on the cross is what pays for our sin, is what saves us, to those of us who have put our trust in that, God tells us that the devil is our enemy too. We're in a fight as well, and the devil's trying to keep us in sin, and He's trying hard to minimize the glory that our life is meant to produce for God. He doesn't want us living for God. If you're a Christian, you need to know that. Satan's trying hard to to keep that glory that's intended for God to be as small as possible. So what does he do? Well, he attacks us, hoping that we might give in to some temptation to sin, and he's trying to keep that light that we're meant to be in this dark world. He's trying to keep that light as low and dim as possible. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, Paul writes in Ephesians 6.12, but against these rulers, powers, authorities, over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil that are in the heavenly places. Paul says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in this evil day. So all of us are in a fight. We're all in a fight. And if you're a Christian, you need a strategy to fight well. You need this strategy to live your Christian life to its fullest. 
big idea this morning, trying to boil this down for us, I, I, I would put it this way, Christians must grow their faith and guard their conscience. Christians must grow their faith and guard their conscience. This is how we fight not just okay, but how we fight well, how we fight this good fight. I would say it this way too, you need to know your Bible better and you need to fight to have a clear and good conscience. That's another way to think about it. This is the life hack for the Christian. This is the strategy that you must put into practice. Grow in the word and guard your conscience. Let's read our text and see what God has in store for us this morning. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll pick back up here in verse 18. Paul writes this. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may fight the good fight keeping faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected, suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. Let's break up these verses into three parts concerning the fight we're in, and we'll look first at this. We'll call it motivation for the fight. Motivation for the fight. Verse 18, Paul knew the importance for all Christians to fight well, but especially his young protege here named Timothy. And we're going to find out in the chapters to come, we're going to learn a little bit more about Timothy and his purpose there as a pastor, which will really inform us about why the church is so helpful for us, why pastors are such a gift that we need in our church. But here, we already get a glimpse of it. Timothy is the example. Timothy needs this especially because he's the one that so many in this church in Ephesus, need to learn from. So, yes, this is for everybody, but especially for Timothy. He needs to know this strategy, this command. He needs to embrace. He needs to know how to fight well because he's going to teach others how to do it. He needs to know how to live well and really how to finish well. And verse 18 gives us some fascinating insight in the life of Timothy. It says, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may fight the good fight. There were prophecies made about Timothy. I'm pretty sure this is a moment when he was being sent or commissioned. That seems to line up and make sense. When he was being sent from where he was to this church here in Ephesus to be their pastor, In chapter 4, actually, Paul writes in verse 14, Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So there was a moment in Timothy's life where his spiritual leaders and likely others in his church, they were encouraging him in his spiritual gift. They were encouraging him about his ability to preach and teach the word of God. So they made prophecies about his future. Sounds strange to us, but they were just highlighting his effectiveness 
and how they were confident in what his life would produce, not for himself, but for the kingdom. They were confident that this guy was going to do something great for the work that God had purposed for him. He'd already demonstrated his spiritual gift, and they knew it was right for him to go to Ephesus and be their pastor there. Paul was doing some motivating here, like a pre-workout drink or like an energy drink. Paul was trying to just pump up Timothy to remember this amazing moment and to energize him to carry out this command. And the command is not just what's about to follow, but really what's come before. Uh, Paul mentioned it in verse 3, says, Remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach different doctrine or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, just false teaching. Paul sent Timothy there. He wanted Timothy there for a reason. And Paul just wants Timothy to remember his purpose, what he's there to do, and how God had worked in his life, how God had brought him to that point of salvation to equip him with this very particular spiritual gift and how he needed to dedicate himself to the fight that he's in. You could think of it this way. Paul's saying, look, man, don't forget what this is all about. This isn't just about you. You need to be strong here. You need to be ready. You need to do what, what needs to be done. You got to fight this fight. Honestly, I think we need the exact same motivation Obviously, we haven't had the same experience as Timothy had here, but if you're a Christian, you can relate to Timothy's experience. If you're a Christian, you can remember that moment that you were saved, that moment when you realized the the gospel and the grace that had come into your life. Even as a junior higher, you're you're starting to just experience that new life in Christ. Your thoughts are changing and Your words are changing. Your actions are changing. You don't really have your spiritual gift dialed in yet, but you're aware of it, that there is such a thing as a a spiritual gift that's been given to you to, to, to use in your church. If you're a Christian, you need to get in the fight too. You need to be strong and ready, and you need to, to fight the good fight. Why? So that you too can be useful to the Lord. That you you too can fulfill the purposes that he has for you. That one day you can understand this is God's purpose for me in this church or whatever church he has you in. I can serve here. I can use my gift to, to bless this church and encourage others and build up this body of believers that, that I'm in. So Timothy's past is motivation for every Christian, no matter what, no matter how old you are, no matter where you go to church, be motivated to fight the fight of faith and to do it well and really to live well and finish well. It's language here that tells you this is uh, something you have to be ready for every single day. That's why it's a command, and that's why it's got this military kind of fight term to it. This is something that's, that has to be on our everyday's to-do list. 
There's no days off. There's no rest days. There's no breaks. It's a fight and it's ongoing. And honestly, it's all the time. It's every day until your last day. You have to be ready to fight the fight. And this is how we do it well. We should be well motivated to hear what Paul has already said, but also what he'll say next in this letter. So let's get into it. Point number two, how to fight well. How to fight the good fight well. Verse 19, a short phrase, keeping faith and a good conscience. Your Bible may say holding faith, holding a good conscience. What is this, keeping, holding? How can we understand that? Well, yes, it's kind of what you think of. It's to have something to take hold of it. So we have like experience with it. We, we have it. But it might help you to think of it this way. It's, it's like remembering. It's, it's like remembering, but not just remembering the bare minimum. It's remembering every little detail. And it's as if each time you remember it, that memory is getting sharper and stronger and more clear and your understanding and Remembering is more and more each time that you think of it. So it's like a growing memory. It's like a, a grasp that's getting like stronger. You have a hold on something that's becoming more and more difficult for you to let go of or to lose. That's keeping. That's what Paul is saying here. It's, it's so much more than just like possessing something. In order to fight the good fight, what is it that we're to keep this way? Well, two things. He says we're to keep faith and a good conscience. First is faith. What what is faith? What does Paul mean? He means the essentials. Faith is the content. It's what you know. This is the truth for us found on every single page of God's word. This is the faith that we're to grow in. We're to have a a good hold on our knowledge of God himself. We're to keep it, to, to have it for our hold on it. Remember that this memory is growing. It's as if our hold on it is growing. Our understanding of it is increasing all the time. What I was yesterday is is not as good as it is today. That's the idea. You can think of it this way. The more you know of God, the more your love for him will increase. Of course, that's true. The more I understand and know of his word, of course, the better my relationship with God, the more my faith will grow and my love for God grows right alongside it. So the first half of this brilliant Christian strategy is to point us to our need to constantly be growing in what we know of God. If we're not keeping faith, we aren't growing in our knowledge of God. And for a new believer, that's devastating. For any believer, that's devastating. But especially true for a new believer, that's, that's disastrous for faith. If we're not growing in what we know of God, our love for him is certainly going to taper off. 
It's going to decrease and minimize in an environment where knowledge of God isn't growing. In other words, you guys, ignorance of God is such a bad thing. A lack of knowledge will not help you fight the good fight. It's a good way to take yourself out of the fight. Keeping faith only happens one way. You must have an increasing relationship with your Bible. You need God's word and you need it often. You need a daily dose. Why? Well, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. And same chapter, but verse 9, How can a young man or woman keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. God's word is meant to be a lamp, and it's meant to be your light. God's word must be the guide for your life and It also must be the guard for your life. You need a guide every single day. You need a guard every single day. You need this knowledge to be growing, and that knowledge can only be found in the Word of God. A.W. Tozer, who was a pastor of the 20th century, so a little bit before our time, he says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about you. Did you catch that? It's the most important thing about you, what you think about God. It's way more important than how good you are at a sport or how good looking you are or how tall you are or how many iPhones you have. This is the most important thing about you, what you think of God. And he says, for this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. The most important fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. I know his English is a little fancier than ours. He says, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Your thoughts of God are what shape you. That's really what Tozer's saying. What we think about God, it totally impacts the way that we live. What you know and what you believe will, will change the way that you think and talk, and act. It'll, it'll change the way you respond to someone. It'll change the way that you, you think about your day and how you plan to live the day in front of you. What am I saying? I'm saying this, a low view of God is not going to help you fight the good fight. That, that view of God that you had yesterday, that's not going to be enough to get you through today. You must be growing. That knowledge must be increasing. You need to know as much as you can. You need a daily grip on God's word to fight this fight. And it's not just God's word, but also Paul says a good conscience is something we must hold on to to fight this good fight. Paul had already mentioned the conscience in verse 5, reminding Timothy of what the false teachers had ignored. And really, 
that the truth of the gospel's message was to lead people to live lives with genuine love and a pure heart, but also this good conscience. Paul talks about the conscience a lot. He'll mention it again in chapter 3. He'll talk about it again in his second letter to Timothy. And the thing that's fascinating is the conscience for Paul, it's always in connection to that conscience being good or clear or clean. It was so crucial for Paul to explain it and talk about it that way. And it was really just God's design to give us a conscience. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, to give us this internal alarm to tell us when we're sinning. When our behavior is really not what it should be, we, this alarm goes off. When we're doing what we should be doing, we have feelings of peace and comfort. We have that inner sort of contentment and joy and calm. And you know what that feels like to have it be disrupted by your conscience. When sin enters your life, those good feelings are gone. You become anxious and shame begins to drip into your thoughts and there's guilt and fear, even despair. It's the conscience is to the soul what pain is to the body. It's a warning that this is bad. Hey, that's not good for us. Let's stop doing that. That's what the conscience is to the soul. Hey, this isn't good for us. Stop doing that. <laughs> Quit it. Run. Get away from this. We need that conscience to be good and clear. And a guilty conscience is a sign that your soul is in danger. It's in danger. And Paul here tells us that it's crucial to maintain a good conscience for every believer fighting the good fight. We maintain that good conscience, clean conscience, clear conscience by living the way God's word instructs us to. By obeying it and following it. I would say it this way. We can't willingly live in disobedience to God in his word. When that warning goes off and you just, you just mute it like an alarm that you hit snooze on, go away, go away, or you shut it off. Paul's saying this is how you ruin your life. This is how you take yourself out of the fight. This is how you lose by ignoring the, the conscience. So important to nourish a, a good conscience, to listen to it, and to be able to say at all times, my conscience is clear. It's good. It's before God. I, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. How much pain and, and suffering you'll avoid if you'll follow this strategy. Such a helpful strategy God's given us. Think about it. How do I know if something is sin? Well, not only do I have the word to go to and I have God's word to help me understand, but I also have this conscience. And God in his word says, listen to that, heed it, have a clear conscience. It's crucial to fighting the fight well. You can endure when your conscience is clear. You can keep going. You can keep fighting when that conscience says we're, we're good. 
But when it's not, your conscience is calling out and your life's filled with shame and guilt, it's so easy to give up. It's so easy to say, I'd rather hide. I'd rather avoid this. I'd rather not deal with this. I'm out. And that's really what we're going to see next. This short little phrase, man, it may be little, keeping faith in a good conscience, but that's a, that, there's a massive truth in here. This is the strategy. This is how to fight well. Grow in your knowledge of the word and guard that conscience. These are the tips that we need if we're going to fight well and finish well, but let's quickly look at the rest here. Number three, why you should keep fighting or what happens if you... <laughs> Take yourself out. Well, we see it here in verse 19 to 20. Speaking of faith and this good conscience, Paul says, some, having rejected, suffered shipwreck. Not literal shipwreck, but in regard to their faith, he says. And then he calls two guys out. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, so that they'll be taught not to blaspheme. Paul wants Timothy to know that, that Hymenaeus and Alexander have rejected the call to maintain a good conscience. They ignored it when it would call to them and and warn them that they were in sin. They'd simply push right past it. And the result, you see, they've made shipwreck of their faith. They've messed up their lives and, and the lives of those around them. Believe these are men of influence in this church pretty great case that these are elders and pastors. They were teaching the wrong stuff. Timothy was, was there to correct these guys. Actually, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 17 mentions Hymenaeus again and, and how really he had swerved from the truth. So not only did he ignore his conscience, not only was he living in sin, but he really didn't have a good handle on God's word either. There in 2 Timothy 2, it talks about how confused he is especially on the timing of the resurrection. And his teaching was messing up everybody in the church. They were like, has the resurrection happened? Like, we don't know what's going on. Did we miss it? Or has Christ come back? And it was such a mess. Why? And Paul says it right here in First Timothy. He ignored his conscience. He ignored it. He didn't guard it. He wasn't keeping it. And he wasn't growing in his faith. He wasn't growing in his understanding of the word of God. And Paul says he's handed over to Satan. Now, verse 20, it does sound strange to us, doesn't it? As Paul says that, these men are handed over to Satan, that they were to learn not to blaspheme, Paul adds. What is that? Well, just to help you understand it, it's Paul's way of saying they're being kicked out of the church. They're being separated from God and God's people for a purpose. Like church discipline today, its purpose is always what it's meant to be, and that's to restore, that's to redeem, that's to make right what's messed up. Paul's hope was in Jesus who explained church discipline in Matthew chapter 18. Paul learned from Christ that separation from God's people and God himself, it's meant to drive people back. It's meant to help them see, oh, I'm not living how I profess to, to live and, and claim to be. It's meant to help people see their sin and to seek forgiveness and, and even to be restored. It's always the purpose. And that's what Paul's talking about here. 
we, we have to discipline these guys. Why? Because we want them to be restored. We don't want to leave them in this, in this state where they've lost the fight. We want them to be restored. So the warning is really clear. If we forsake this strategy, this spiritual life hack, if you will, we must know we're headed down a really dangerous road. I think that's why Paul commands this, charges this. If we ignore it, we're on a road where our sin will become so familiar. Our conscience so dulled and our desire for the word so really just minimal. And our lives will resemble the lives of these two men, these two men who need a serious wake-up call. It's funny, even here, and, and I know we've talked about this several weeks ago, about how First Timothy helps us understand the church, helps us understand the, why the church is so important and why we want to be in a church. But even here, we just get a little glimpse, don't we, of the benefits and the importance of being in a biblical church? To be in a church like this, where you can be joyfully and faithfully committed, but a church that says, hey, we're with you and you're with us. A church that will do this. A church that will say, if you ever begin to live a life that doesn't match your profession of faith, you can count on us to call you out. You need a church that will say that, that will say this, that will come alongside you and tell you you're in sin. You're headed the wrong way. You need to turn around. You need to come back to the Lord. You need to be restored. You need to once again keep the faith, hold on to those essentials of the word. You need to start growing again. You need to guard that conscience. Again, that's the kind of church that you want to belong to. It's interesting because I I think when you begin to analyze this fight that we're in, it can be a little bit scary to think that you're, you're fighting this fight sort of on your own. And even here, Paul reminds Timothy of just the value of being in a church, a church like ours. You're not on your own. You're a part of a body where we say to each other, hey, fight the good fight. I'm in it with you. I'm going to help you fight this fight. You're not alone. It's an important command that we can't ignore. It's one that we need. It's Again, it's so simple, but it's so crucial. If you want to fight the good fight, you must grow in your knowledge of your Bible. And you need it every day. And you've got to guard that conscience. Listen to it. Let it be a, the alarm that it's meant to be. And you guys, if you'll do that, promise you'll not only live well, but you'll finish well. This is how to fight the good fight. Father, thank you for our time this morning. We are so grateful and indebted to your word. It's such a clear guide for us. Lord, it instructs us. It's it's such a, truly what you describe it as, a lamp and a light. Lord, I pray that you would help this truth just get into our hearts today. I pray that you would help this be a a reminder 
to these precious students, Lord, of their need for you, those who are still wrestling with the gospel and wrestling with you. Lord, I pray that you would help them to to realize the fight that they're in and that they're losing and lost and that they desperately need you. Lord God, to those who you've shown kindness and love and mercy towards those that you've saved by your grace, would you help us to be emboldened for the fight that we're in? To, to begin to just see it isn't a joke. This is a command. This is something we must take seriously. We need your word. We're not too young to read the Bible. It's not something we should put off for another day. Lord, help us to desire your word today. And Lord, thank you for the conscience that you've given us. Pray that we would nourish it and listen to it and heed its warning. God, be glorified in our lives. Pray that you would be honored and your name would be exalted because of the Christians in this room. Lord, that that would be true today and this week. We pray this in the name of Christ, our Savior and our King. Amen.